Welcome to another episode of the Sports Sentiment. I am your host, Nick Urias, and we are back with another episode here today talking all things football, college football coming up starting this week. Uh, week zero schedule is starting. NFL football less than two weeks away. So this is going to be a heavy football episode. And I'm pleased to have our first ever guest on this podcast, a podcast that ju we just launched this podcast, I would say about a year ago. So I'm very excited to have our first ever guest um, on this podcast. You know, we're just kind of going with the, we're taking it a different turn. I've been doing everything solo. So, you know, we're taking things, we're doing a different approach. So without further further ado, let's bring him in the president of the Rebel HD2 UNLV student radio station, one of the hosts of the Sin City Hoops pod. He's He covers Vegas Aces basketball. He's covering Lady Re Rebels basketball. He's doing it all. He's even an aspiring sports broadcaster just like myself, Ryan Gilder. Let's bring him in. Ryan, how you doing? Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It, it's so important to have guests on the podcast because it really brings in a different opinion in a different side of where everything comes from because from you it's like all northern california all about san jose state and when it comes over here to vegas it's a completely different thought process and then when i talk to people in the midwest the eastern coast of the united states it's all completely different perspectives like remember like even like the spread off offense that came from the west coast and then all of a sudden that started to go towards the east coast so collaboration i think is super important and i'm more than happy to be on yeah, well, appreciate appreciate this all worked out and glad to have you on. You know, just to give the audience a little backstory of how we met, you know, me and my buddy Jonathan, we were uh, part of the San Jose State Student Radio Station uh, for KSJS. And um, we were out in uh, your neck of the woods, out in Vegas, um, covering uh, San Jose State men's basketball, which had a historic season um, in 2022-2023. Uh, they got their first ever Mountain West victory since joining the Mountain West against Nevada, who you deeply love as a UNLV uh, student and that covers UNLV. But so we got our first win there. But, you know, we lost to San Diego State the next the next round. And then all of a sudden you come up right after our broadcast uh, after our tough loss. And, you know, it just it just felt it was really cool to see, you know, you as a UNLV sports broadcaster and me as a San Jose State sports broadcaster, you know, just kind of connect. I appreciate that, you know, that you came up to uh, my good friend Jonathan and I and you introduced yourself and, you know, we kind of just chatted it up there uh, out in Thomas and Mack Center. Yeah, it, it was a great opportunity because when it came down to the Mountain West basketball championships, I just wanted to collaborate as much as possible of all the Mountain West media and it's so funny. You guys get the broadcast from a better spot than when we get the broadcast for basketball. We're up like by the Raptors in the 200 sections. We have, it's so funny. Our broadcast booth, we have like a little Comrex and then uh, there's like a hanging, uh, it's where the cameras are supposed to be. So the desk, it just ends and then it goes down to the floor. So if you drop any equipment, you're going to hit a fan in the back of the head. So it's like, it's almost like when you're broadcasting, you got to make sure that you keep everything within the little crate that we're in over there in the second level. So you guys got all the class. And also what was super cool about the Mountain West is the the spread is completely different than what just normally happens for a UNLV running Rebels game. There was unbelievable food all around. There was even CPK in one of the rooms. I was like, wow, they're, they're really treating us 
really well here as media. So it was a great weekend. Absolutely loved meeting everyone from all the stations. And you guys were awesome at San Jose State. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, yeah, so obviously, you know, UNLV, as far as their basketball was concerned, you know, they, they were kind of, they started out really hot as far as their basketball. They kind of went a little bit, you know, they were kind of just treading water a little bit there. You guys actually played a really first game um, against Boise State, you know, kind of got the home crowd involved and all of that. And, you know, it's just, I have to say, uh, out in Thomas and Mack Center, just the whole Mountain West tournament, um, terrific atmosphere. I mean, the Utah State, the Utah State crowd was just, they always got themselves a good crowd, but man, did they bring it. And they're just so well coordinated. But, I mean, what do you, what are your, what were your thoughts on just the overall atmosphere? Because I know that you're out um, in Thomas and Mack Center, you're doing games uh, for UNLV. Just what yeah. was it like, you know, just the whole conference together? I, I absolutely love that. It's all the different types of people, like the San Jose Stuck, the San Jose Duck was there. You got the Wyoming Barrel guy that walks around half naked. But <laughs> I think that Utah State was the new player this year because last year their crowd was good, not great. This year it was great. And after the Boise State versus Utah State game, when I was heading back to my apartment, because I, I literally live walking distance from the Thomas and Max. So I have a little bit of advantage of a, a student journalist to get some uh, man on the street interviews. And I did after the Utah State Boise State game, because Utah State fans are actually rooting to play against, or they're rooting for UNLV in that game, because they're rooting for UNLV to beat Boise State so that they could play against uh, UNLV the next game. So I went to an in and out. And I talked to some fans from Boise State. I mean, not from Boise State, from Utah State. And I got that quote on the student newspaper the next day, which was super, I loved it. It was super cool to get that collaboration. And they were just like, we don't like Boise State. We hate them. So we want to, we would rather play against UNLV. But I have a small feeling that I think that they think that Boise State's a better opponent to play against than UNLV. But I'll go with what the quote said, which that they just don't like Boise State. For sure, for sure. You know, I'll tell you what, in, and we're going to get into college football here in a minute and just uh, the UNLV uh, angle of it all. But, you know, college pride, I can't I can't say it enough. I, I say it on the, uh, our sports weekly show on, on KSJS every Thursday afternoon that, you know, college pride is just it's unmatched. And even for like the Mountain West, you know, Mountain West is still like it's a res it's a very respectable conference. But, you know, it's not the SEC or the Big Ten. But, Absolutely. you know, you get. You know, you get um, you get these, you know, towns like Boise and like, you know, Logan, Utah, you know, th that's all they have. So they their whole city, you know, Boise, Idaho, th the whole state of Idaho rallies behind uh, Boise State. So it's just it's just one of those things, you know, it's bigger than, you know, it's bigger than the, the college itself. It's more, you know, it's just kind of like entertainment for them. And it's just it's awesome to see. Yeah, what I like about the Mountain West is that it's one of those wacky conferences that have some really good teams. A lot of these conferences, there's some wacky conferences with some okay teams here and there, but they're not a, they're not to the level of a group of five conference or a little bit below it. But UNLV and the Mountain West and all the schools in it, it's a really good environment. You get the like I said earlier, you get a barrel guy in Wyoming coming up half naked to all the games wearing a barrel. The first time I saw him, I was I was really concerned about him, but I was like, oh, this guy goes out to every game. So that's just a cool thing. But then also you go 
go to New Mexico, they have the pit. And then you go over to Northern California, you got Fresno State, San Jose State. That's a good rivalry over there. Nevada, Reno, and uh, UNLV, that's a great rivalry over there. So you got the rivalry aspect of it. You got the fan aspect of it because you got Colorado State. And you got kind of like those neat schools that have a big audience with them, like Boise State. And you said with Utah State, those are teams that have really, really good fan bases. So if you look at all the teams in the Mountain West, because I wouldn't say all of them, the city cares more about their college football team than anything else. I mean, I think San Diego State's starting to convert to that because they lost the Chargers. But, I mean, look at UNLV. You look at San Jose because they have the Sharks still. So there's other sports that people care about. But the one thing that the Mountain West does have is that they keep the rivals within. Like, there's no more Colorado and Colorado State. They can't be together. But Colorado State has a hell of a crowd. But UNLV, when the whole entire city, they, they talk about what shows are going on, um, the Golden Knights, the new football, baseball teams that they're getting with the Raiders. We still have the rivalry with Reno. So that is still strong here. And if you look at UNLV versus Reno, UNLV, even though they're not doing the best at all sports, they're dominating Reno in all sports. And that's what a Fremont Cannon is over here at UNLV. So if you look at it, the rivalries are strong in the Mountain West. And I really like the crowd, the atmosphere in the Mountain West. It's a really good conference. That's why people are talking about it as where the Mountain West is almost like the new Pack Mountain, people are calling it. Because, like, I think that Wazoo and Oregon State, that no one's talking about it that much. But I think they would be, I think they would be even a better fit in the Mountain West than they are in the Pac-12. No one talks about that part of it. It's a wacky conference, the Mountain West. Why are those wacky teams going into the Pac-12? I think that, Honestly, San Diego State's a better fit for the Pac-12 than Wazoo and Oregon State. I think those two teams could benefit in the Mountain West. And the last thing I want to bring up is that the Mountain West actually generates more revenue per team right now than the Pac-12. That's why USC, UCLA, they're getting out of there. Pac-12 only generating $20 million compared to the Mountain West, $25 million. So I, I know I brought in a lot of points there, a really loaded kind of response, but I, I do. I, I see a lot of growth in this Mountain West Conference. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because, you know, college football is changing. You know, just college athletics is changing, obviously, with the Pac-12, you know, just kind of turning into the Pac-4 now. It's it's blowing up before our very eyes. And, you know, the Mountain West has a prime opportunity, like you said, to take Oregon State, take Wazoo. You know, there's been extended chatter that that, um, that could potentially be an, an outside option. And, you know, that just the conference as a whole, you know, the basketball conference, you know, it was better than the ACC, like a lot of people thought last year. So it was it was really good. Obviously, like March Madness, the amount of teams that they got into the tournament as a whole, I think they got four teams in uh, to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, it just shows that the Mountain West is respectable. Their programs are respectable and they're actually getting better athletes via the transfer portal because of it now, because they're showing, hey, their games are going to be on national television. And this is a legitimate conference that they're starting to climb their way up. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is that the Mountain West, no matter what people are saying, they will never be a power five. They're not a power five conference, but also they're a very good group of five conference. And I think honestly, you look at all the sports, they're probably the best group of five conference. And I think they should just keep on developing as a group of five conference, because what a lot of these programs are doing wrong. I mean, these conferences are doing it wrong that these power five conferences are acting like group of five conferences and some of these group of five conferences are trying to act like 
their power fives, but then it just crumbles. It always does. So I feel like the Mountain West, they know their identity. And I feel like, hey, they might expand a little bit, but they're not going to lose many teams. I think the only team I really see leaving the Mountain West is at most San Diego State. But honestly, they, they, they seem more, more comfortable being in the Mountain West now after the crumble up that happened in the Pac-12 earlier. Yeah, Ryan Gilder joining with that, joining us, uh, president of the Rebel HD2 UNLV student radio station. I want to transition into college football because, you know, that's kind of just the next thing up here on the calendar um, as far as uh, San Jose State, UNLV, and just the Mountain West and uh, college sports in general, you know, just kind of, you know, the big time uh, sports, if you will. Let's talk about your Rebels because uh, your Rebels are, you know, they haven't been uh, in the conversation in the conference um, probably even longer before you were a student there. I mean, I'm a, I'm a senior now. I'm a fourth year at San Jose State, and they have they quite honestly haven't been too relevant. That's no knock on uh, UNLV, but you know it's they're they're in rebuilding mode right now, and you know there is some promising talent there. You got a first year head coach uh, coming in with uh, that's got tons of experience. Um, coaching in the sec with uh with the coach odom but yeah. uh you but your quarterback i'd like your quarterback um i'm trying to for, for, I'm like blanking. there you go yeah. brumfield yeah so i like brumfield um you know your court your backup uh freel has gotten a couple chances at it in the these past couple seasons but you know just talk to me what's what's the vibe at unlv as as with the football season rapidly approaching yeah, the vibe for UNLV is that they're going to be running a go-go offense, meaning that there's going to be two running backs on the field pretty much at all times with Doug Brumfield, the starting quarterback. And the biggest thing this year is going to be protecting Doug Brumfield because and it's two things, protecting Doug Brumfield, and also number two is Doug Brumfield's got to protect himself because Doug Brumfield, whenever he's, in, if he, whenever he's within the five-yard line, he does not care. He will, he will risk a limb to get into the end zone. And I've even talked to Doug one-on-one. I know media is not supposed to talk to players one-on-one because I'm not a coach. What do I know? But but I do care about Doug. I, I care about his safety and also playing the whole season. And I'm like, Doug, whenever you're within the two-yard line or within the five, you're willing to risk your life to get into the end zone. He's like, yes, sir. And I'm like, no, you can slide once in a while, you know? Doug Brumfield, think of him as like a – I think it was a little bit taller version of Cam Newton. Instead of being, uh, he's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit slower, but he's able to run people over. He's 6'6", 225. So he's very dangerous. That quarterback has a hell of an arm. And But the problem is that when he's out, Cameron Friel, I think of him as more of like a placeholder quarterback at UNLV. So if Friel goes in, UNLV's offense is still able to run. They're able to still score a little above 20 points a game. But the issue is that Doug Brumfield can really pump it up to almost 30 points a game. And UNLV last year, their defense was really what made them struggle. They were, they had a 4-1 record. Their only loss was to Cal, and they finished the season 6-6. Uh, six and six. So that that's the issue right there, is that they weren't able to get a winning record after starting off 4-1. That, that was the real uh, – that was the, the headliner of the season. For sure. I mean, you know, UNLV, they start out at home against Bryant and then they have, you know, a little bit of a tougher schedule on the non-conference with uh, at Michigan, which is going to be a tough atmosphere in the big house. And then, of course, you're hosting Vanderbilt and then at UTEP. 
tough non-conference, but you know, you're home against Hawaii, against Colorado State, San Jose State. You host us to, to end the season finale, and then you play Wyoming. I mean, I think that's kind of just so you're you were saying, you know, Doug Brumfield is just so massive for this team because we just haven't seen him healthy for a complete season. And you said it, you know, you've talked to him one on one and you said that, you know, he could really maximize the capabilities of this offense. Um, As far as the defense is concerned, you said it was struggled, wasn't the greatest last year. Um, But however, you guys did bring in a big time transfer uh, with Jackson Woodard. Uh, linebacker from Arkansas who's who's expected to make some massive noise um I mean just talk about how's it where's this defense at um at this heading into uh, week one against Bryant there's another transfer I want to bring up I see another SEC guy out of LSU you'll see him on the field he's number 11 Xavier Carter and I like to think of him almost like you know Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson He's one of those hybrid linebackers. He's more of an athlete than any other position. You could put him on the D line at that edge rusher. He could rush. He's really, really good at rushing. Or you could flex him out as like a linebacker because he can, he's fast enough that he could cover some receivers and also fill in some gaps on the rush. But he's not a pure linebacker. He's like one of those guys that's going to be down there, third down, we need a play, and he can make that play. So watch out for Xavier Carter, then for uh, – DBs and safeties, I mean, it, it's mostly the same as last year. Like Jonathan Baldwin, Cameron Oliver, they both made impacts against Reno. So they finished the season off strong. Let's see if they can continue that into this season. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is like, hey, I, I'm looking at the players that did good at the end of last season and seeing if they could transition it into this season. Because at the very end, we beat Reno. You don't be beat Reno. So I want to see if those guys that did good in that game and the rivalry game are able to convert it through an entire offseason into the next season. So those two had some big impacts as well. But I think that the defense, it's good. It's good, but they got to be able to execute. That's the biggest thing. Like I say all these names, like Jordan Morgan, BJ Harris as well. And uh, Jalen Baldwin's also on the team, but they're all good. But they just got to be able to execute because last season they couldn't execute. They gave up over 40 points in each game of the last six games against Reno, except the Reno game. So that, that shows that it doesn't matter who you have out there. They just got to execute. And they completely changed their defensive system. They're more cloud-based this year. So let's see what happens game one, game two, game three. Because you're not going to see much against Bryant. The only thing you can see is basically negatives. Because if the defense looks great, they play against an FCS school. Exactly. Like, move on the next week. But then also the next week they're playing against Michigan. So you're playing against a Big Ten school. You're playing against probably the best Big Ten team in the country. So – there's not a lot to look at in the first two weeks. You're not even going to know what this team really is like until week four or five, because week three, they're playing an SEC school in Vanderbilt. UNLV's goal, and they're going to go week by week, but if they could finish two and one going into week four, I think that would be a massive win for the UNLV program. Yeah. And quite honestly, that's how I, how I feel about San Jose state because their non-conference is brutal. They have USC this weekend, this Saturday uh, in Southern California. Then they host Oregon State. Oregon State, you know, DJ DJ Uyagale, transfer from Clemson. There's a lot of unknowns with Oregon State right now and how they're going to look with that offense. They have a very tricky game in week three at Toledo. And San Jose State hasn't really fared too well on the road slash neutral site against MAC teams. 
um, these past couple seasons. And then they, you know, they have their cupcake game against Cal Poly, of course. So, you know, I feel the same way as you do with your UNLV rebels. If the Spartans can escape two and two uh, before they head into conference play, I think that's a win. It's a very tricky schedule. Um, as far as the defense is concerned, you know, I'm on the same boat with you as far as the Spartan defense. The Spartan defense has been terrific for like the past three seasons, you know, with they just had so many uh, veterans on their defensive line with Kate Hall and uh, uh, Viliami Fajoko, uh, both Mountain West defensive player of the years. Uh, they lose their top tackler, Kyle Harmon, who didn't miss a game for the Spartans for four years. And they're losing their top pass protector as well with Nehemiah Shelton. So this defense is definitely for San Jose State is going to have some growing pains. But um, expect it as conference play approaches, as they start to play, you know, some some teams that they're familiar with to really, you know, step it up a little bit. The offense, I mean, the offense is going to be great. I personally think Chevin Cordero, experienced quarterback, entering his sixth year, all six years in the Mountain West. Uh, we do lose Elijah Cooks, who was our top receiver last year, but Justin Lockhart um, is definitely could live up to, to his name and to his capabilities. So, I mean, San Jose State, and I feel I think you could feel the same way with UNLV. I mean, for would you say with UNLV if they if they have a six win season and they're in the bowl game, would you consider that a win for the Rebels? I think a bowl game would be a win. I think any postseason action would be a win. They haven't made a bowl game since twenty fourteen. So let's not get too greedy and say, hey, which bowl game you want to go into? Hey, you haven't made a bowl game in almost 10 years. Just make one. Just make one. Because right now they haven't made one in 10 years. So they they their goal should be just to make it into any bowl game. Yeah, exactly. And even with like a first year head coach with Barry Odom, I know like, you know, I talked about Ooh. Odom's experience as a defensive coordinator at Arkansas and then he was a formerly at Missouri. But, you know, you know, with the new offense potentially coming in here, uh, from how you said it, it's going to be like a go-go offense, two running backs. And But as as you mentioned, you know, Brumfield is going to have a massive impact on the season as far as how far UNLV can go. Um, as far as the other teams in the Mountain West, I think Boise State is the clear front runner um, in this thing. Their, their rushing attack is terrific with uh, Hawani and uh, Genty. And, you know, their quarterback, I mean, Boise State last year, I mean, they they looked like they were about to hit rock bottom uh, with Hank Bachmeyer leaving and them firing their offensive coordinator midseason. And then Taylor Green comes out of nowhere, and this guy literally is looked to be one of the best just overall players in the conference. Um, Boise State, I think, is clearly the front runner in this thing. Uh, you know, they got it. Obviously, the surf turf is is a tough place to play on. Um, is there any, would you agree that Boise state is the front runner in, uh, to win the mountain West? And is there any other team that you would consider that can maybe top them or maximize their, uh, their season against Boise? Well, I, I agree with you on Boise state, but before I bring up, uh, talking about Boise state, I can't just talk about UNLV football. It's all talking about a big transfer that. I think is going to make a huge impact. It's not just, I think he will make a big impact on a team. Number 21, Jacob De Jesus, wide receiver. Guy's quick. He's fast. The running backs coach, Coach Ford, yesterday in a press conference, I can say it because he said it on the record, said that in um, the spring game, he thought Jacob De Jesus was the best 
football player on the team. That includes Brumfield. That includes everyone. The guy's five seven, a buck seventy five, probably a buck seventy after practice because they lose five pounds of practice. So this five seven, one seventy dude, best player on the team. And I've watched him last couple practices. I can't talk too much about what happens during practice, but what I can say is that he is a player that you got to watch out for. So Jacob De Jesus at UNLV, you're going to be talking about him when they play against San Jose State because he will be on every list by the time that UNLV plays against San Jose State. So there's that little inside scoop because I was talking about Ricky White, Seneca McKee. Those are like the guys that everyone's talking about, but not a lot of people are talking about Jacob De Jesus. So that's the guy that you're going to be talking about. If you had a fantasy football draft and you're like, hey, who's that sleeper guy? Jacob De Jesus and just put the credit card on it. Just Jacob De Jesus. I love it. So UNLV, again, a home opener next week against Bryant. I want to, you know, aside from football right now, because you, you broadcast, you broadcast UNLV. I want to, I don't know if you've done any football games. I don't know if you did them last season, mm-hmm. but as far, how is it, how is that whole experience at Allegiant Stadium? Because it's got to be oh. like just breathtaking. It is incredible being at, at Allegiant Stadium because they treat you like you're the Raiders broadcast booth, but you're a college student. I'm, I just turned 20 and being able to go to Allegiant Stadium, I was 19. I, I did my first team when I was 18. So I go to Allegiant Stadium. They have a spread, an unbelievable spread, waters, sodas, whatever, whatever you want, a buffet for you. It's unbelievable. And then you get the broadcast in the same booth as the radio for the Raiders. So it's like you're broadcasting an NFL game at an NFL stadium feel. There's times where sometimes the Raiders will play Thursday night and the Rebels will get to play on their field, the Raiders' actual field. It's so cool. I mean, for the players, it's kind of weird because they're playing on a Raiders' field. But for me, it feels like I'm broadcasting an NFL game. And that it's just an unbelievable experience being able to broadcast at an actual NFL uh, stadium. Yeah, I mean, that that that's just that's – just... That's just awesome stuff. I mean, the fact that you guys are that you guys play in Allegiant Stadium is great. I mean, here's the thing about sports broadcasters, everybody. You know, we get treated like royalty. <laughs> like honestly, yes, we like we, we really do. And like, you know, they give us free food, free drinks, like the whole nine yards. And you know, we're like we're just we're just literally college broadcasters. So I mean, we, we're lit- we're literally living the dream. And obviously, Ryan, with you at um, with you at Allegiant Stadium, it's it's more than just the dream. Um, I want to transition. You know, we talked about we talked about San Jose State. We talked about UNLV. Um, you we we're clearly both in agreed that Boise State is the top dog uh, in the Mountain West. Um, I want to talk about you know just a little bit of NFL before um, before we we close things out here. Um, well, if you want to, well, before about yeah, Boise State, I know I know we're talking about Boise State. Oh, I yeah, think go that ahead. What could really, I think what could really set them back, though, now a lot of people are talking about this. I know you want to play competitive non-conference, but Boise State's non-conference is very difficult this year. And when teams don't do good in non-conference, it it trends to convert to conference play. It really does. And if you look at their non-conference play, they play Washington. UCF, you can knock off North Dakota. And then 
that's pretty much their non-conference play, but in Memphis. They play at Memphis, which is a super tough matchup at Memphis. I mean, teams that are power five going to Memphis, always a tough time. But Boise State playing all their road game, I mean, all their games, non-conference, or all the road games, Washington and Memphis, and their home games against UCF that travels very well. I would much rather I would much rather travel from east to west than west to east. And it's just going to be a very, very tough time non-conference-wise for Boise State. And if they don't do a good job in it, I really feel like they're going to have too much added pressure during conference play, and that could really hinder their conference play. You know what? I'm glad that you brought that up because it's it's so true. And, and you know, with that with the non-conference stuff, you know, everybody wants to try to take the easy way out. You know, every team takes their own approach because they do schedule it and all that all that good jazz, you know, years in advance. But UCF and Boise State, I know Boise State hosts UCF, but that game was – Boise State went to Central Florida um, two years ago, I believe, and that game was an absolute thriller shootout uh, that UCF ultimately won. Washington's going to be no slump this year. They're going to be like top 10 in the country with uh, Michael Penix Jr. So, I mean, I, I'm glad that you brought that up that because, you know, that could totally change the mood of a team, you know, whether you, it doesn't, I teams are going to take their own approach with it, but at the same time, you kind of, I, I get where teams programs are coming from, you know, you kind of want to get the heavyweights. So, cause it brings more money in more revenue, you know, confidence booster for the season. If you lose, just barely lose to a, one of the top dogs. So, but Boise State is, like you said, they're, they're kind of playing a little bit with fire because those are some really tough games. Um, yeah, go. Did you? Yeah, want to- and, and and I was thinking of like another team that I really feel like I don't I don't know if they're the best team in the Mountain West, but their schedule is super favorable. Is Air Force this year? If you look at Air Force's schedule, they're really able to pound the rock really well. And if you look at the teams that they're playing against early in the year, playing against a couple of uh, non-power, uh, I mean, most of them like SCS teams, that's pretty much their non-conference. They play Army and Navy, and I feel like Air Force is just at a different level than Army Holy and Green. Navy this year. So you look at their four non-conference, and you can kind of chalk them off as wins. So then all they have to do is win two to three Mountain West games, and they're automatically clinching a bowl game. So even though they might not win the conference, you can look at Air Force and say, hey, they could be a bowl contender this year. And when we're talking about Mountain West, we're talking about these conferences, bowl games matter a lot. Bowl games, playoff appearances, they matter a lot because they care, because it matters about the strength of the conference. So definitely watch out for Air Force. I know they whooped our butts last year, but they could definitely use that running game to win a couple of games early. And I really think they could, be, they could beat Utah State. And I do think that they could pick up a win either against Wyoming or Colorado State, definitely against Hawaii. And then even against us, they're at home against UNLV. I think it would be hard for them to beat UNLV if Doug Brumfield's in the game because the height of where they are with Doug Brumfield's arm accuracy and how far he could throw it, he'll get an extra couple yards on it because of the altitude. And Air Force is a running-based team, and UNLV, they could really let the air out in Air Force over there. So definitely, I think they can pick up a couple wins, though. In their last game of the season – Air Force is against Boise State. So if it gets kind of close near the end, it could be that could possibly be the Mountain West right there in that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to just piggyback on your point as far as that Boise State and Air Force game to end the season. 
because Air Force, you know, they get a lot of respect in the Mountain West, rightfully so, with their football program. They run the triple options really hard to defend. They're really good at it. Kudos to them. All those military academies are it's hard to guard uh, defensively. But that Boise State Air Force game, you know, they could play. They can very well play twice in two weeks. You know, because it ends the season. Um, it ends the season in Boise, I believe. Uh, Air Force and Air Boise State, but then they could play the following week potentially in the Mountain West Championship game, um, if all things set uh, set up accordingly too as well. And also, is no one talking about how they finished last year? Like they were ten and three last year. They won five straight going into this year. They beat Baylor in their bowl game. So they're they're a good school, Air Force, especially in football. I would watch out. Maybe they can make some noise. I think that the clear front runner is Boise State, but if they start to lose that confidence a little bit, they lose a couple games, they lose a couple non they lose a couple conference games. I think Air Force could come into it. But it, if you look at it, this is the conference for Boise to lose more than Air Force to win. That's what I kind of want to get out of this is that Boise's they're the front runners. This is their conference to lose, but Air Force, this isn't really their I mean, they could they would have to really they would need someone else to lose to kind of jump above them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just the Mountain West these past like four seasons, there hasn't been like a repeat winner. You know, last year was Fresno State. The year before, Utah State beat San Diego State in the championship. My uh, my San Jose State Spartans took the league by storm in 2020. I know it was a shortened season, but a championship's a championship. Despite only playing, they went 6-0 and and beating Boise State uh, at Sam Boyd. And then Boise State won in uh, 2019. So, you know, this is just kind of like a, a Mountain West conference where, you know, there there is a front runner, of course. But at the same time, you know, all hell can break loose as well. I'm happy I'm not 21 because I would never bet on the winner of the Mountain West conference. <laughs> it's always different every year. Oh, of course, of course. Before, I don't know if you had anything else to talk about uh, college football-wise, Mountain West-wise. Uh, I did want to get – um just your overall thoughts on uh, the Los Angeles Chargers because you are a Chargers fan coming into oh, yeah. the year. Well, Just, here's my thing. I got, yeah. I, I'm kind of like an under-the-radar LA Charger fan because I, I mean, I'm a diehard, but I'm out here in Vegas now. So everyone's a Raider fan around me. So everyone's like, oh, how about them Raiders? And I'm like, yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not a big Raider guy, but big, big Charger fan. I love Justin Herbert. The contract was really good what they gave him over. The offseason, I think it was fair. Not too many years for too much money. They didn't. They didn't give him too too much. They're giving him right around where Deshaun Watson's paid, and I think that Herbert is miles above, better than Deshaun Watson. I like uh, Quinton Johnson from TCU. I like a lot of the TCU draft picks that the Chargers pick. They're going to definitely make an impact this year. And then on the offense, I mean, it's all about staying healthy with the Chargers. That's been the narrative forever. Uh, Keenan Allen. He's been doing better with it. He looked really good over preseason. Everyone's talking about how he's starting to regress, but how is the question? Because he's looking really good right now. Uh, Mike Williams, he's one of the best 50-50 uh, ball catchers in the league. The different the, the problem is that when he comes down with the 50-50 ball, it's a 50-50 chance that he gets up from it. So <laughs> that that's the big thing with Mike Williams. That he's a really good player. Just He's got to be able to stay healthy, but it's kind of hard when like you're jumping up for a ball and you have like, bunch of people hitting you right in the legs it looks like a UFC fighter getting hit whenever he goes up for a ball so that's the issue there with the Chargers and I think Eckler he's fine he's gonna stay there right now I know the running back issue getting paid 
it's it's a mess because the players only play for like two, three good years and they are regressing after and then they want to get paid like they're progressing. It's really difficult. There's no there's no right side to this argument because what, what are you telling us? You're telling the owners to pay the players to regress and like the owners should pay them just because? No, because they have salary caps that they have to keep up. You see the teams that win the Super Bowls always have running backs that they pick up from free agency or late in the draft. Like, look at last year at like the Chiefs, Pacheco. Seventh rounder from Rutgers. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't even know he was drafted. I thought it was undrafted. Like, no one <laughs> even – a lot of these teams that, like, don't pay running backs do a lot better. So why are you pressuring owners? Like, oh, now, now you got to pay a running back. And then they pay Melvin Gordon. And then the Broncos have no running back for the next five years. You pay all that money for, like, uh, even McCaffrey. Like, he's, like, the only one that seems like it's worth it because you're able to throw it to him. But it didn't even matter when Brock Purdy got hurt. And then if he, if they made it to the championship game, if they made it to the Super Bowl, the uh, 49ers would have had Philly Rivers at quarterback. And that would have been – that would have been great. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Don't remind – you know, I'm a Niner fan personally. So, you know, I I mean, I've seen it all with the Niners, uh, you oh, know, my. With, my, with my days. You know, no quarterbacks left, you know. I like Kyle Shanahan, but, you know, in the big games, he's 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 – He's too conservative, but at the same time, I think he, you know, he goes for it at the wrong time as well on fourth down. You know, all the weapons are there. You know, his offense is amazing. You know, he makes the right hires uh, defensively and all of his, all the assistants are great that nobody really talks about. So, I mean, it's all about staying healthy uh, with the 49ers. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked that Brandon Allen takes us to the promised land for the 49ers this year. Yeah, I, I think that um, Kyle Shanahan's great. You don't have to worry about Kyle Shanahan, I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, if not the best. Um, what happened last year, was just, it was really a dumpster fire at quarterback, and they are still able to make it to the NFC Championship. And they, they had Brock Purdy after multiple injuries, Garoppolo gone, Lance gone. And Purdy's actually, it was a blessing in disguise because Purdy, I think, is the best one. But then even he got hurt, and then it wasn't Johnson or something that you guys had, like, out of like out of left field at the fifth-string quarterback that you guys picked off from the street. Could have gone someone from the stands of that game mine as well. And they're like, okay, go win us, go, go get us to the Super Bowl against this Eagles team that's probably the best roster in the NFL. Because I think the roster, their roster was better than the Chiefs. But the Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl because Mahomes was more experienced and he was a little bit more calm under the pressure than Hurts. No knock on Hurts. Hurts made a great game. But when it came down to the nitty-gritty, I knew that Mahomes was gonna win that game because I watched him beat my Chargers way too many times late in games you know i i totally agree with you that i mean and you know of course jalen hurts had that costly fumble and then nick bolton returned it for a touchdown that was a massive play in the first half of the super bowl but your chargers man because as a 49er fan i I genuinely feel bad for charger fans because you guys are i mean literally like you guys always have bad luck i mean it, it really is like you're you guys have such loaded talent with your wide receiver core speaks for itself. Herbert was a home run draft pick and home run. home run. And, you know, your defense, you know, you guys got the names now this year, but even like JC Jackson, he couldn't stay healthy last year. And, you know, you know, you guys just suffered. You guys just suffered so many injuries last year. There's, there's always something with the chargers. And I, I swear, I, it seems like you guys are always playing a close division game and it's coming right down to the wire. I mean, you're as I mean for the Chargers, and I I don't want to remind you of the playoff game, but I gotta mention it because you know the oh, no, playoff I, I game against Jacksonville. It, yeah. I mean, 
I, I like I like Brandon Staley. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great football mind. But I, I'm telling you, like, sometimes when I'm watching NFL Red Zone on Sundays and I see him going for it on his own, like, 30-yard line, I'm just like, oh, what yeah. are you doing? You want to hear a funny story about Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down one? So last year, I was watching Chargers Browns, okay? They're up by uh, three points, okay? No, 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 they're up by two. It was up by two. And they had the ball on their own, like, 35-yard line or, like, it was, like, 35, 45-yard line. Super, they were inside their own side of the field fourth down and one or fourth down and two and there's only like 45 seconds left in the game and i'm like you guys are gonna punt it right so that the other team would have to go all the way across the field and try to get somehow a field goal no no they they, they go for it and they don't get it and i just start going nuts i was saying every curse word in the world and then i i got uh after the game the chargers somehow won because katie york missed the game winning field goal but then uh, I got a knock on my door because I live in an apartment and it was the police. And I was like, oh, and I said, hey, what's up? And they're like, we got uh, they, they thought that like I was like they, they thought there was a domestic disturbance because like I actually was hitting someone when I was like smacking the ground that that they didn't get the first down. And then I told the police officer, I was like, hey, man, that, did, did you see the Charger game? Do you see what Brandon Staley did on fourth down one in his own 35 yard line? And then he's like, is there anyone in here? Is like everyone safe? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. The Chargers just won. I'm happy about that. But Brandon <laughs> Staley went for it on fourth down and one. And I don't know why the heck he did that. And the police officer is like, well, I need to do a wellness check on everyone in the room. Oh, uh, and I'm like, my, room, my roommate's asleep. And he's like, well, how's your roommate asleep through it? I'm like, my roommate's like a 6'6 bodybuilder. He doesn't give a crap about the Charger game. So I wake up my roommate. And he's like a 6'6 bodybuilder comes and walks to the police officer. And then the police officer starts laughing because he, oh the God. police officer actually was convinced that I beat up someone because of like me cussing and hitting the ground. They thought I was actually hurting someone because of the charger game. So yeah, that that's my story with the LA chargers kind of always keep you on your toes. I have a million other of them, but that was, I think my favorite one from last year. Oh, and I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, the Chargers last year, like, I mean, what's up with this team? They just play a million close games. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, always the offense toe. is so good. The defense is respectable. I mean, I don't, I know the NFL is always a, it's a crazy league every single week. And, you know, I, I feel like we see like 10 game winning field goals, but man, the Chargers, I mean, I'm pulling for them this year. I, I mean, everybody's talking, everyone's talking about, you know, the AFC and Aaron Rodgers to the Jets and all this stuff. But I mean, I think your Chargers are slightly flying under the radar because everybody's talking about all these other teams. I think the Chiefs, quite honestly, I'm a, you know, I will always believe in the Chiefs because I'm a Holmes and Reed and all that. But I think they could be kind of, I think they're a little thin this year. I think they could be do some regression. I'm a, I'm, I'm big on Denver this year, believe it or not. But yeah. so, I mean, the Chargers, I mean, they're going to have to, it's going to be a tough one to get into the playoffs with all the loaded AFC teams. But I mean, as long as you get in, anything can happen. For the last 10, 15 years, the Chargers have always been, oh, that that's the underrated team. They're the under, they, they, they could come under the radar and they always fall short. So every year, every year, everyone says that. And then they always come short. So this is the year I'm going to be like, hey, don't give them any crazy expectations. We're not coming from under the radar. Just one week of football at a time and just just go from there. Cause I hate the expectations. I remember like Philip Rivers second to last year, they're like, oh, like I remember Colin Cowherd, they're gonna win the Super Bowl. 
And I was like, all right, all right, this is our year, this is our year. And then they don't even make the – they only make it to the second round of the playoffs and they lose by like 40 points to the Patriots. Patriots, so, right. So let's keep the expectations low and then exceed them. Like almost like a job. Like if you have someone that uh, you're trying to get a job for, you want to give them good expectations, but you don't want to give them above – above expectations because you can't if you even if you meet them you meet them but if you don't meet them you're screwed but if you put the expectations here and you work up to here you exceed your expectations so i want the charges to exceed expectations this year instead of um having to live up to the hype that everyone puts them through every year well said well i'm as a 49er fan i'm rooting for your chargers um, you know, the Niners, you know, it's going to be you a guys don't need all help. year with the, with the quarterback situation. Now, now Trey Lance is QB three. They just came out and announced it today. So who knows what that's going to lead to. Um, before we close things out here, um, what, what's, what's your plan with UNLV this year? I, I know you, I know you're president, you're doing big things over there for the radio station over there, uh, completely student ran. Um, are you are you broadcasting the home opener against Bryant? Uh, just tell us what what are your plans uh, for you know for the fall as far as uh, UNLV athletics are concerned. So this is an interesting year. So I my term for president ended in July. So gotcha. I'm now the sports director of the radio station, but now I'm I'm also the sports editor for the newspaper. So as sports editor of the newspaper, we gotta make sure we cover all the games, but also with the radio side of things, I'm still managing all that and i will be broadcasting versus bryant next week but for all the new broadcasters i'm just trying to get them to get used to broadcasting show them the ropes i just gotta make sure i don't get too starstruck because like you're going to a legion stadium to broadcast a game they're like 18 19 year olds so i think the uh for this year it's gonna be for the fall hey um get a little bit loose uh get get those couple throws out of the way get that early season jitters out of the way um, that's why I'm just being as scheduled as possible right now, as organized as everything as possible. And then uh, get to the broadcasting. Just say the story, make a story, and make it interesting. Like, don't don't be afraid of stuff. Just don't curse on air, and and then I won't be in trouble either. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that, that's my thing. I mean, broadcasting, I do UNLV football. Um, I'm also the color broadcaster for UNLV hockey. So I do that as well. And then editing the sports newspaper, that's that's a that's a heck of a job. Like I did not think it would be as difficult as it is, but being an editor of a student newspaper teaches you a lot and really influences you to connect with other people. Like us right now, where I'm definitely gonna be connecting with you for when UNLV plays against San Jose State, but also they play all these other teams this year. And sometimes you gotta scramble a little bit. Some of these FCS teams, like Bryant, they have zero media going to UNLV. Zero. So you gotta kind of scramble a little bit, gotta gotta be a little bit creative with it but that that's what it is to be a journalist it's fun to be kind of like a guerrilla journalist go find your interview and go get it so i'm really excited that you got me as a guest for today's podcast because this was an unbelievable experience for both of us oh yeah no doubt and you know i'm just i'm just glad that you initiated it all back uh, back at uh mountain west uh tournament um in vegas because you know as that was my first year of broadcasting, like first full season, you know, I'm entering my third year. I got screwed over my first year of college with COVID and everything was completely online. I had to take a, you know, on-air training and all that stuff. So by the time I got my foot, my feet wet, actually on air, it was a, a year, almost a, in October, 
um, with the the homecoming game against the uh, against the Nevada Wolfpack uh, in the football season. So you know the basketball season was kind of like my big uh, you know my breakout you know broadcasting. You know I was doing all kind. I was on air for almost every single basketball game for San Jose State, all their home games, all the conference games. So you know I'm I'm just glad you know I'm glad that you know as you know as college broadcasters you know. We're just trying to help each other out. We're trying to establish connections. That's how this business is. You know, you gotta have you gotta have your connections. And I'll tell you what, man, you're you're doing you're doing so many great things. Like for UNLV, you're so involved. You know, you're teaching upcoming broadcasters. You know, you're the editor for the newspaper. Like this this is this is this is how it is. You know, and and the thing is, this is why I always tell people. They're all like, oh, is it so? Is it work to like follow sports? I was like not really like it's just kind of like the routine you know uh, i personally like i i enjoy doing all the research before the games for broadcasting you know obviously like i know the spartans like inside and out but you know i really like as a broadcaster i really like to educate you know the audience on the other team because there is another team out there and you know and I, they deserve as as just as much airtime as you know. I I know I'm on the Spartan Radio Network and you know San Jose State student ran and all, but you know there's we I also got to educate the viewer on the opposition as well. Yeah, biggest thing with me uh, since I've gotten to UNLV is hey collaborations everything. So we have the newspaper working into radio. We work with this other organization called Rebel Report. We all work together on everything. And my sophomore year was instead of collaborating just in house. Let's collaborate with everyone outside the house as well. So Mountain West, we collaborate with, but we've also collaborated with some Big Ten teams, uh, SEC teams, ACC teams since uh, beginning of last year. And, and stuff like this and podcasts, getting them on. And I think that getting their voice, getting their view on something, it enlightens you. And there's so much I've learned in sports journalism from other students, from other schools like UCLA they have some of the smartest people in the entire country over there in USC talking to those people and seeing what they do and what we can implement at UNLV. So not just our journalists can get better, but also get well-connected with other schools across the country because we're all trying to do the same thing and we're all trying to work together while doing it. Yeah, exactly. We're all just trying to get as broadcasters, as college broadcasters that have the aspirations of doing this as a career, we're just trying to find our next big break and, you know, you're doing you're doing great stuff at UNLV. I mean, and and you know you're you're still very young. I'm on my way out of San Jose State, and I, I don't know what what that's gonna. I honestly don't know what the path is for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get as much airtime as possible. You know, I'm a part of the sport uh, the sports uh, radio um, the sports radio show every Thursday where we just talk sports, San Jose State athletics, and all that jazz. So you know, it's just you. That I always tell people, you know, you can't just take advantage of every opportunity because you don't know really, you don't know where it's going to get you. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, I love what you're doing. And also you faced adversity while doing it as well. You had the COVID year. I didn't. So you, you started a little bit behind. So for you to be where you are now, you already got yourself that full year of experience with San Jose State basketball. And you're going to do more broadcasting this year, right? Yeah. So you got, you're going to get two years of college broadcasting that's a lot more than other schools. That's still a lot more. Some of these broadcasters, they don't even get to even touch anything until they're seniors. At some of these schools like ASU, some of them can't even, even touch a mic for a live ASU game. That's like a big sport until even they're graduated already and they have to be a GA to even get it. So even though, hey, you, you face adversity, you're still way ahead of the game compared to some other 
student journalist, but we're all working at it together. Exactly. You know, and you know, from you, you being at UNLV, I'm at San Jose state, you know, we're just trying to establish connections here. We're just, you know, that's why I had you on. I thought you would be the perfect guest because you know, you're the guy you're at, you're at every UNLV practice and you know, you're, you're getting, I mean, I think that's awesome. You you know, you're getting quotes from Brunfield and all, and, and all that good stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I had you on. I, you know, I'm rooting for the rebels this year to find, you know, just to be in a bowl game. Cause it's going to represent the mountain West. Well, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for, um, you know, just for you guys to have good games, close games, except when you guys play San Jose state, you know, uh, especially if San Jose state's hanging right around the five win mark or, or, you know, hopefully more, but, and we come, we come to your backyard as well. Yeah. I'm dreaming for a good Mountain West season and as many of the Mountain West schools in the bowl games as possible and winning the bowl games because in college football, a lot of schools make the bowls because who's going to win the bowl game. So Mountain West, they've been pretty good at winning bowl games. Let's see how many bowls they win. And let's see the quality of bowl games that they're able to win this year. Cause the bowl structure is not really going to be the same after this year. It's going to be completely different. So let's see how the Mountain West does in the last year of normal college football. I'll call it. Yeah. Great stuff. That's Ryan Gilder, uh, sports editor, sports director, um, of the Rebel HD2 UNLV student radio station. Ryan, where can people find you? Um, you know, j- just more of you. So more of me. I mean, I have an Instagram. You can follow me at uh, Ryan Gilder underscore nine. And then my Twitter is Ryan Gilder underscore UNLV. And uh, you could, of course, uh, look up the Scarlet and Gray, where just uh, Scarlet and Gray, the Scarlet and Gray Free Press. And uh, all my articles are on there. And all of what UNLV does. And then for the Rebel HD2, there's only it's an app called The Rebel HD2. And you can listen to UNLV whatever live on your phone. So that's how you can be able to access more of me. Also on Spotify, it's all on my Instagram, but the, also my Spotify, I have my Cincy Hoops podcast where we discuss aces and we discuss Lady Rebels. And it's really good. We got Jared Feldman. He's he got he's got the inside scoop on everything women's college basketball. It's almost like I'm the host and I let him cook because he knows <laughs> everything when it comes to women's basketball, college and professional. He projected the Angel Reese and uh, what's the name? Uh, Clark. Uh, Caitlin Clark from Iowa. Caitlin Clark and yep. Caitlin Clark from Iowa. He projected that all the way way back in February. So wow. he knew he knew he knows this stuff with college basketball and uh, women's college basketball in general, everything. That that's great stuff. And you know, um we gotta I I most definitely we're gonna I'm gonna have you on probably once again when San Jose State take on uh UNLV uh late I'm in excited. the season. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. You know, I you know I can't wait because football season's right around the corner and this is kind of just you know, the summer, these past couple of weeks, have just kind of been the calm before the storm, not only, you know, as a student, you know, covering our respective teams, but, you know, just as a fan in general. So, you know, this is, this is kind of, you know, this is kind of like Christmas for, uh, for us broadcasters right now. Oh, it's, it's football coming back. I need football back. I need it. I need it really bad. So I'm, I'm super excited for that to come back. There you have it. Uh, Ryan Gilder uh, from UNLV uh, joining us, our first ever guest on the Sports Sentiment podcast. Uh, great, great stuff, Ryan. Great to have you on. Um, as far as 
you know, there's going to be a lot of football content as far as the sports sentiment is concerned um, on my end of things. Uh, going to be talking, going to be breaking down every team in the NFL, NFC and AFC season previews. Just football seasons and started the football season for the NFL, at least is in two weeks. So keep your eye on that. Other than that, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Ryan, thanks for so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to have you on. And uh, good luck this year at uh, UNLV. Thank you. You too. Have a great season. I wish you guys the best at San Jose State. Yeah, no doubt. Same to you guys uh, at UNLV with the Rebels. That's going to do it for this episode of the Sports Sentiment. Ryan Gilder, my guest. I'm Nick Urias, your host, saying so long uh, for this week.